they were inaccurate. But I'm not supposed to say that. So there's two rules. Everyone else and every one of their speeches can say they're reckless, they're inaccurate, he's talking about counter court. But 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 Yes, I, I'm trying to have him stop. Yeah. I have Councillor, Councillor Ford, please. I'm asking you to please retract the comments. I'm not doing it. 100% until, until hell freezes over, I will not say it because I'm telling the truth. It's accurate. 100%. Councillor Ford, can you please retract the comments? Okay. I don't know if you don't understand English. I said I'm not going to Okay. Okay. Councillor Ford, please. Okay. Okay, hold on. Councillor Arjumeri. Okay. This is Doug Ford in 2014 when he was a Toronto City Councillor. He is defending a series of robocalls made to an opponent councillor's constituents for refusing to vote in step with then Mayor Rob Ford. The City Integrity Commissioner found these calls a material inaccuracy which is a fancy way of saying they were malicious lies. The mayor was asked to apologize, which he did. But Doug, he had more to say. The damage Rob Ford did in his single term as mayor is well documented. But right beside him, at every step of the way, was Brother Doug, current Premier of Ontario, creating and seemingly reveling in the kind of chaos you hear now. I don't have his mic on. Okay. Okay. Councillor, hold on, hold on. Councillor Ford, but you're not listening to me. Now be quiet. Okay, just cheap theatrics, outrageous outbursts, flat out lies about just about anything were all typical when the Ford brothers lorded over council, and that's if they showed up. In 2014, Doug Ford had the third worst attendance record at council. He missed 53% of votes that year. By the end of the term, he sounded like he was done with City Hall, passing up re-election and letting his nephew Michael run in his stead until Rob's cancer diagnosis drew Doug into the mayoral race. It's amazing anything got done, and what did was done largely in spite of the Fords. It's pretty rich, then, that one of Doug's first acts as Premier was to declare he would slash the number of Toronto councillors from 47 to 25 in the middle of a municipal election. Toronto Council, he said, was inefficient. Fewer councillors would fix this and save taxpayer money. He didn't campaign on it. There was no consultation. It seemed like nothing more than petty revenge on his former colleagues. For the vast majority of the councillors that hate the... Rob Ford, the mayor, despise him, absolutely despise him, and they will say anything, anything to take him down. Okay, so let's be very clear on this. This is political. But no one, especially not the premier of Canada's most populous province, could be that petty, that vindictive, that destructive. Right? This is Spacing Radio. Once... No, 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 no. We are back at work in the broom closet at 401 Richmond Street West, Toronto, Ontario. 
I'm Glenn Bowerman, and you're listening to the official podcast of Spacing Magazine. This episode, we're sifting through the wreckage of a municipal election that has been blown to bits. Who is affected? What are the stakes? But first, a little background. City Council recently voted to have 47 wards and councillors in the coming term, up from the previous 44. This was in response to the changing population and demographics in the city, which saw some councillors tasked with representing tens of thousands more than their colleagues. After years of debate and consultation, the new model was agreed to. Enter Doug. Ford's announcement which came on the last day people could register to run in the Toronto election, sent everybody scrambling. Was he serious? And could he do it? Most experts agreed the province is empowered to screw around with municipal governments to their heart's content. Cities have no independence within the Constitution. There were emergency council sessions convened to decide how the city would respond. Mayor John Tory was asked if he had known about Doug Ford's plan in advance, and things got heated. Doug Ford lobbed the city a live grenade. And just like when he was a councillor, there was a momentary return to the chaos he so often created, which only played into his characterization of a dysfunctional city council. Outside of council, though, people needed clarity. They wanted to voice their concerns. A series of town halls were organized, and that's where I spoke to Councillor Kristen Wong-Tam. Um, so we have been hearing from literally hundreds of community members that they are confused and concerned about uh, Bill 5 and what that means for the, uh, the current underway uh, elections that are taking place right now. Um, and because it was so difficult to try to explain something that was so technical, um, we asked if there was a desire to have a meeting. And, uh, and everyone that we spoke to said, yes, please bring the community together. We want to know what other people are thinking. We want to hear from a lawyer. So we invited Don Eady from... Uh, 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 Palaire Roland to come and speak, and he's one of the lawyers that are also uh, working on um, uh, on what I believe will be a court challenge. Right, and uh, there's a special uh, council meeting co- this coming Monday uh, as of time that we're doing this interview. Do you think that council will uh, sort of lean towards uh, presenting a legal challenge as, as the city of Toronto? 
Um, I think council will have to. It would be a, a shameful, shameful day if council did not stand up for itself. I think city council needs to be very clear about uh, the type of uh, legal uh, path that it wants to take and where the wind strategy is. Um, I think that it's uh, important for us to uh, to draw a line in the sand. We know that there are private citizens uh, who have filed court challenges. I know that there are other individuals that are getting ready for their court challenge. Um, and if, uh, if private citizens will take it upon themselves to do such a thing, uh, it would be a shameful day if we don't do it for them. As a number of groups mold over what kind of legal challenge, if any, could be made against the so-called Better Local Government Act, or Bill 5, candidates like Nikki Ward had to come to terms with what the change meant to them personally. Uh, well, we were talking about different strategies, and certainly one of them is a civil action. I've already filed notice with the mayor and the city solicitor that if they do choose to breach the contract, that we'll seek remedy. Because, you see, it's not just the candidate who invests time, takes time off work, puts in money, and so forth. But, of course, part of the other expense, the hidden expense, is the invent- investment in enthusiasm and passion of volunteers. Because you can't build a campaign without volunteers. And this has really undermined the enthusiasm in, in the uh, democratic process in a lot of people, not myself and not members of our team, but it's still very, very difficult for people to get enthusiastic when they, they don't even know where they're volunteering for. So that's been probably been the biggest challenge. But it wouldn't just be city council that took a hit. Toronto District School Board would also be losing trustees, a cause for concern for TDSB candidate Jake Landau. Yes, um, yeah, I'm Jake Landau. I'm running for TDSB trustee in Ward 8, which comprises Eglinton Lawrence. Right, and is that the about to become Ward 8, or is you're currently running in Ward 8 and it's, and it's about to change? It'll always be Ward 8, but if the current challenges do not pass, then it will also start to encompass the riding of Toronto St. Paul's. Okay, and ha- has that uh, affected your campaign at any point, uh, in any way to date? Well, I've always been running because I believed that I was the best option to help my community in Eglinton Lawrence, to give them the best representation, and to give all of our kids the best shot at a future. And the truth is, while I'm disappointed that we've seen such changes that would force two whole federal ridings, um, over 200,000 people, to share one part-time trustee, I'm rising to the challenge, and my first action will be to reevaluate this system and see how we can get Toronto St. Paul's its own representation and its own trustee back. These are two completely disparate and separate communities within the city of Toronto. They both deserve effective representation. They both deserve their own representative who they know, who comes from their community, who they can talk to. When we see all of these complaints and issues where people think that they're not able to reach their representative, nothing is solved by making that even more challenging. The consensus at the 519 Community Centre that night was every effort needed to be made to strike down Bill 5. Still, many legal experts agreed that would be a long shot. Despite the optimism in the room, candidates like Megan Wilson had to consider their future if the bill remained in place. Um, Well, I mean, the impact is obviously uh, donors are a bit skittish or nervous about whether or not to give money. And we heard tonight, you know, there was some discussion about whether or not bank accounts will be frozen or they'll make us wrap campaigns or things like that. Um, On a personal basis, I own a small business, a two-person business. That business is running at half staff now. 
which means the income in my household is at half staff right now. So uh, for me, there's a, a lot of personal issues at stake for this. Right, and one of the major ones being, I imagine, on a personal level, you, you said uh, Councillor Wong Tam is a mentor of yours. Now you're pitted against each other. Yeah, I mean, there's always a question of that, and, and you have to ask yourself, you know, would I run against my mentor? I also know she's a pretty strong person who has told a lot of us who have been in a conflict situation of running against someone else we knew um, as we were going through the process in Women Win Toronto this year and so on. Um, she would say if you've got something unique to offer your community that you should still think about doing that. And so that's my decision is, is what I have to offer still different than anybody else has to offer. And have you made that decision? Uh, I haven't firmed the decision. I mean, I'm looking at what's happening here, but I'm inclined. My supporters and my backers are saying, go, keep going. Um, and, you know, you've got to respect the people who have backed you up. So um, I'm taking their word to be what's most important to me, I think that that's, you know, the voter is the person you listen to. What do you think is at stake here with Bill 5? What's at stake? Um, I think that what's at stake is, is first of all, in, in terms of Bill 5, the, just the principle of what can happen. Um, for someone to be able to come in. If this happened in any other jurisdiction, Canada would be sending observers in to look at their election to make sure that it was free and fair. Um, who's going to send observers for us? So I guess we have to be our own observers for this. The opposition energy continued, and politicians and residents alike filled the sweltering Metropolitan United Church. While Doug Ford insisted there would be no real difference between a 47-ward council and a 25-ward one, Councillor Joe Cressy vehemently disagreed. It's an easy soundbite to say, get rid of politicians and you'll reduce the waste. But local democracy isn't some fancy concept. What local democracy is in practice is the ability for residents to have a say in how their neighborhoods are managed and improved. And so when you reduce the ability for local councillors to act as that conduit and contact point for local residents, what it means practically is that residents will have a harder time um, getting improvements to the local park. 
It means that residents will have a harder time getting safety improvements to a street. It means that residents who live in Toronto community housing will have a harder time getting repairs to their units. Local democracy is about neighbourhoods and community members having the ability to impact change and improve their communities. And when you attack local democracy like this, you turn a city into nothing more than Doug Ford's little kingdom. And, you know, frankly, I'm not prepared to stand for that and nor are residents. But what I really wanted to know was how this was affecting new candidates, people running for office for the first time. Last spring, I talked to Women Win TO, a group dedicated to guiding women, perhaps younger or trans or people of color, to help them navigate the political landscape. See, council has a major representation problem. The large majority of current councillors are older, straight, white, largely upper-middle-class men. Traditionally, that's always been the case. But it doesn't come anywhere near to reflecting the diversity of Toronto as a whole. Addressing this is Women Win TO's mission. Two of the members were Chiara Padovani and Amber Morley, both running for the first time. How had Bill 5, which at this point had gained royal ascension, affected their bids? Here's Chiara. Well, I, I can say that knocking on doors in, in Ward 11 in York Southwestern, these are neighborhoods that have felt completely ignored. They felt completely ignored and taken for granted. And this decision only increases the likelihood that their voices will be ignored at City Hall. And that's because when you come from a community that has already been marginalized, that is already um, on the on the brinks of the city, that is not receiving the services that it deserves and has the right to, when you start combining and cutting that representation, that only makes it more difficult of the voices of the people in my neighborhood to be heard. And this isn't just about my campaign. This is about neighborhoods like mine having a right to be at this at a seat at the table. And this is what this comes down to. This is our local democracy. This is about representation. This is about making sure that communities like mine have a voice. And so far, it has already been difficult for us to have a voice and this decision makes it even more difficult for us to get a seat at the table so i am i am fighting this we are fighting it we are united with toronto and everybody fighting it and uh we're not going to take it we're going to keep fighting we're going to keep fighting for the right to have a voice at city hall and here's amber Uh, Most people live in quite the bubble, so I think that that's interesting in general when it comes to trying to knock on doors and get people engaged. Um, Some folks are really keen and and very uh, engaged in politics, and some are totally outside of the bubble, and they don't even know know, who their councillor is or what the the municipal level of government uh, does for them. And so there's a lot of rhetoric going around that's short and snappy and seems to make sense, like, oh, efficiencies and money savings. Um, And I think a lot of folks are, are hearing those bits but not really appreciating the implications of what that means for them as residents and and to their services. Um, And so it's a lot of explaining, which is, you know, again, a difficult position to be in because we don't yet have all the answers. We are still, you know, having, we're very hopeful that some of these efforts from groups um, like the ones organized today uh, will result in a fair conclusion to our election because it's completely, um, you know... (laughs) would be unfathomable that something like this could happen but this is a reality we're living in and so um yeah it's it's been really challenging to explain to folks um how this how this change is going to impact them and also how it's impacting us as a campaign uh, once i am able to do that explanation folks appreciate the the way how unfair um this is and so um yeah it's 
and again, right, we're still up in the air because we're still waiting for, for more answers and um, slowly but surely information is trickling out, but there are also a number of opposition um, uh, approaches and, and sort of attempts to block this or delay this that are still underway. So we're kind of like somewhere between do we completely adjust now to this new boundary and just move forward in that light or do we continue to put efforts into opposing this and supporting groups that are opposing this and mobilizing our community to oppose this so that we can have a fair conclusion. But any way you cut it, it's a distraction and it's a bit chaotic and it's taking away from you know, the, the meaningful engagement that we wanted to have with the specific community that we signed up to represent um, back in May. And so it's, it's really yeah, been... I'll not use any swear words, but it's been, it's been chaotic, yeah. I left the church feeling disheartened. Sure, there was plenty of energy, a sizable showing, a cavernous room full of passionate people who wanted the best for their city. But whether or not a court challenge against the province was successful, the damage, to some extent, had been done. Confusion became the bedrock of this election. Then what seemed like a reprieve. A number of individuals, groups, and the city of Toronto took the fight to court and won. Superior Court Justice Edward Bellababa delivered a scathing ruling against the Doug Ford government. He called the bill hurried, more out of peak than principle, and without parallel in Canadian history. The province, he said, has clearly crossed the line. Those fighting the bill had that morning to celebrate until Doug Ford held a press conference that afternoon. Happy group. Earlier this summer, our government introduced a better local government act. This act would reduce the size and cost of Toronto's municipal government and improve decision-making. By fixing the current dysfunctional government and the political gridlock that has crippled Toronto's city hall. Section 92, subsection 8 of the Constitution makes it clear the province has the exclusive responsibility over municipalities. And the City of Toronto is, in fact, a creation of the Ontario Legislature. And I have notified the Lieutenant Governor our intention to bring back the Legislature Back this week. Our first order of business will be to reintroduce the Better Local Government Act and with it invoke Section 33 of the Constitution. My direction to our House Leader and Whip is to do what it takes to ensure that this law, which has already been passed once already, is reintroduced, voted on, and passed again on the quickest possible timetable. I also want to make it clear that we're prepared to use Section 33 again in the future. For the first time in Ontario's history, the government would use the notorious notwithstanding clause, effectively overruling the court's authority. In the confusion, the city clerk, who is legally obligated to hold a fair election one way or the other, temporarily stopped receiving nominations. Candidates who signed up for the 47-ward election and hadn't refiled for the 25-ward election looked like they risked being shut out. Candidates like Amber Morley. My understanding from the clerks and from the information I've received is that 
Um, we absolutely are still registered. The clerk is currently preparing to administer a 47-ward election per the judge. Um, and until such time as new legislation comes down from the province, we're in a 47-ward scenario. But if that does, uh, if a new version of Bill 5 is passed, uh, including the sort of notwithstanding clause language... Then that puts us back into a 25-ward scenario, exactly. So, and this is a, this is now another one of the bajillion questions, I think, that are on everyone's mind, is so what does that mean for the registration deadline? In the meantime, people got mad. Jake Landau, the school board trustee candidate, and a number of others hosted a rally on the steps of City Hall in protest. Multiple councillors, NDP and Liberal MPPs, and various labour and activist organisers attended. And again, while the province attempted, in the middle of the night, to pass the new bill to slash council with the notwithstanding clause added, protesters, hundreds of them, shamed MPPs, were thrown out of Queen's Park, demanded to be let back in. MPPs could hear the shouting and banging inside the legislature chamber. I've covered local government for a while now. It's rare to see this many people so united, so furious, so concerned about their city hall. Really, not since the outrage against the absolutely shameful and destructive behavior of Mayor Rob Ford have I seen this kind of uproar. But the fix, as they say, was in. Before the new legislation was passed, the appeal court granted the province a stay. Toronto will have 25 wards. Doug won. Nominations were reopened, so candidates who hadn't made the switch could make a mad dash to City Hall and sign up, again. But many chose not to. There are no official political parties at Toronto City Hall, but each party has very real influence behind the scenes. Some candidates dropped out of the race rather than face their political allies. Others simply chose not to run against an incumbent with their name recognition and built-in support, when such a race would almost certainly end in defeat. Megan Wilson will end up running against her mentor, Kristen Wong-Tam. Chiara Paravani, who began her campaign with the slogan Put Ward 11 on the Map, will now run in Ward 5. Amber Morley was able to sign up for the new race. But there's a cost. It's, it's tough, honestly. It's a real bummer. <laughs> it's really disappointing. Um, I love politics and the law and all of these things because the whole I, the whole idea of holding up our values and these principles that that make us who we are as Canadians and um you know the strong society that we've built just seems to be totally um being thrown you know by the wayside by this one individual on this you know issue that he didn't even have a mandate for he didn't even run on and so even just listening to him defend this position is difficult for me because i don't want to take it personally i don't want it to become 
you know, this thing where I'm questioning people's motives as opposed to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just making it really difficult. Um, so, I mean, I'm super exhausted emotionally. <laughs> I have very low energy, which is the exact opposite of what I need to be right now um, in terms of being, you know, a good candidate, getting to the doors and, and continuing to be positive and optimistic. Um, and I can't help but feel on a personal level that this was part of the intention of throwing, you know, people totally into a state of chaos and dysfunction, um, which, again, is just it's just so frustrating, frankly. So just what was the point of all this? The Doug Ford government will now have the Toronto City election, the Toronto City Council that they want, and showed they were prepared to pull out every stop and burn every bridge to do it. But for what? Well, the thing about Ford family politics is they don't make a lot of friends. They have allies when the political winds are blowing their way. But those allies demonstrated during the Rob Ford years that they won't hesitate to jump ship. Doug Ford certainly hasn't made any friends with this power move, but he may have made new enemies. So, if you can't make friends who are willing to fight alongside you, the next best thing is people who are too afraid or powerless to fight against you. Premier Ford, Travis Danraj, Global News. Uh, you did not campaign on this specific issue, slashing council. Uh, and everyone knows that you have had, uh, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a tumultuous relationship with some of the folks on city council. How are you to convince the people of Ontario that this is not you uh, playing out a personal grudge? Because you're consulting on a number of issues, not this one. Well, Colin, let, let me be very clear. We ran on running and streamlining government right across the board. And Toronto's no different. And as for your comment about grudge, I have no grudge at all. Matter of fact, 18 councillors, 18 councillors wanted to reduce the size and cost of government. But they were shot down by four additional councillors. So over four additional councillors, I don't think, I don't think that was a clear decision. Now, if 90% of the councillors came out and voted, well, again, that's their opinion. But let me remind everyone, municipalities are a creature of the province. They rely on the province to build transit, to build infrastructure, to make sure we had housing. We want to make sure we partner with a government that we can work with, not a dysfunctional group. And there it is. As far as I'm concerned, he tipped his hand all the way over. This isn't about saving money. The confusion Doug has caused has already cost the city millions of dollars. This isn't about a more effective council. Fewer councillors means less representation. And do not get it twisted. Less representation is the goal. The Premier wants a Toronto council that will roll over and play dead. He can seize the TTC subway system... He can build a casino on the waterfront, anything he wants. Those aspiring, diverse candidates trying to bring fair representation to City Hall? To hell with them. To hell with council. 
To Ford, local government is a waste of time and money anyway. A petty annoyance. Something in his way that needs to be broken beyond repair, so he can say, See? I told you it was dysfunctional. Who needs friends? As long as you get your way. As for this election, it has no legitimacy. None. According to the Municipal Elections Act, the city clerk is legally obliged to ensure the integrity of the election process is maintained throughout, and voters and candidates should be treated fairly and consistently. Now, no rational person would say that's possible now. And the beleaguered city clerk has sought her own legal representation. Clearly, she's been placed in an impossible situation. But maybe the worst thing is this election doesn't get to be about anything. We've spent months debating what it will be. There's no time to dig into the issues that affect the city and the people in it. Confusion breeds apathy, and apathy maintains the status quo, or even a steady decline. There is no election in Toronto, not in any fair and honest interpretation of the word. Doug Ford took that from you, Toronto. Now what are you going to do about it? And that is the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please tell your local MPP, polling volunteers, and your friend who thinks local politics are boring. As always, if you like, share, subscribe, or write us a rating on iTunes, you'll be helping us reach new listeners. I make this podcast with Neil Hinchley, who composes our music, and you can find his music on SoundCloud at Track82. That's all spelled out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or scoops, you can tweet at us at Spacing Radio, that's all one word, or email me at glennbowerman at spacing.ca, that's T-O-Y-N-B-O-W-E-R-M-A-N at spacing.ca. Visit our website at spacing.ca or visit our city store at 401 Richmond Street West in Toronto. In the meantime, never stop fighting for your city. It will long outlast anyone who tries to mess with it. Cheers. Cheers.